there are three common forms of hair loss in women. No matter what type you have, they aren't something you should have to suffer with. Hair Active from Primrose Leaf helps slow down hair loss and provides your hair and your scalp with proper nutrition. Join the thousands of people who are back to combing and brushing their hair again. Hair Active strengthens hair, improves texture, and increases fullness. Call Primrose Leaf today, 844-376-0007. That's 844-376-0007. Or visit us at primroseleaf.com. Our special guest was riding bulls and roping calves until he was introduced to acting and the world of storytelling through filmmaking. Through a series of events, Kerry Wallum found himself involved in the movie and music business. And Kerry now has over 100 film projects, including award-winning music videos under his belt. Producing, directing, and acting, Kerry has a passion to make great stories that are talked about all over the world. And Kerry has acted and been a stuntman in some great movies, including The Yearling, The Rock, directed by Michael Bay, the Crow, and Dead Man's Walk, to name a few. Carrie Wallum is also co-producer in collaboration with country music legend Willie Nelson in building the film production franchise, Luck Films. Let's welcome actor, stuntman, producer, director, and a man who is as tough as they come, Carrie Wallum. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lord. Glad to be here. Well, how did you go from rodeo cowboy to being a stuntman in film? I um I actually was always doing acting. I mean, I I did in, in junior high school. I did a play um, with a friend of mine that he's gone now. But I actually his brother is still my best friend. Been my best friend for fifty years as of last week, you know. And so um, I started out doing plays and and um, just always, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people when there's kids they just run and go and hit, run your head through this. And you know, I was that kind of guy. So. Well, when did you get into rodeoing? Um, actually, I started riding steers um, and then junior bulls, senior bulls. And um, a guy kind of took over helping raise me when I was about, I think I was 11 years old. And um, his name was Mike Grohoski, and, and uh, he uh, roped calves. And, he, you know, when I was 13, I was driving some of these pro cowboys to Greeley, Colorado, Belfast, South Dakota, and pulling a gooseneck with a two horse behind it, you know, and. 13 years old. So, um, you had to keep up with these guys or they'd lock you, lock you in the back of the truck. You know, so that was pretty hardcore. So, well, to going from rodeo cowboy to stunt man, did you just feel that you could get, get, get paid better for falling down? Yeah. And I, I, um, you know, the first year I started doing it, uh, first year I got to do anything, I think it was 1979 or 80, 79. And, um, just a paycheck, just, was great, you know, and, and I wasn't a great guy back then. I, I, uh, spent it all on stuff I shouldn't have, you know, and things I shouldn't do. And I was just th that kind of guy that, um, the money was here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. That <laughs> so, seems, but, yeah well, that, it seems to be, uh, pretty common from the film industry to television. I know in the music business, a lot of musicians wake up one day and realize that they have nothing. Because they've just yeah. thought the money will always be there. I, I always say that if I'd had that hundred or two hundred million or the billion dollars, I don't think I would have blown that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what say, you mean. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. how how many bones have you broken being a stuntman? I, I've had um, twenty seven surgeries that I can remember. I was thinking of that earlier. I'm talking to uh, my other half, um, but I've. Uh, 
Um, man, I've had a lot of surgeries. Um, and it all, it wasn't just all stunts. It was just a lot of stupid things too, you know, but, um, I think things through a lot better now. Um, as <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm old, you know, I'm, I'm getting old. So I'm trying to help you get the younger guys, you know, like I seen some skateboarders a while back and they wasn't wearing knee pads or anything else. And I said, man, you guys got any knee pads? Hey, we got this, you know, kind of smart up. And I thought that was me. So don't don't tell me what I know, you know. So yeah, I'm the same way. I'm I'm an amateur cyclist, and when I see somebody else riding a bike without a helmet, I'm like, it only takes one time. And I rode motorcycles too, but I always wore a helmet. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, you just want to go, you just want to do and have fun, and you don't really start thinking. If if you see them people that do start thinking their way through life in their twenties. They turned out to be really, really great people, or they're in prison. <laughs> you <know what> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, because, uh, I mean, you know, being being young and being a stuntman, did you feel like you're invincible? I I did. Um, yeah. Just uh, anything they'd tell me to do, I'd figure out a way to do it. Or you know, back then, I remember remember in the nineties aerodynamics started being a big play in a lot of things we did and uh it was just hard for me i think the hardest thing about doing stunts wasn't doing the stunts it was dealing with a lot of people that um didn't want you in their circle back then you know it's hard to get in that breaking that circle in the business and uh, once you broke in you had it made but a lot of people that i know that are better high fallers or car crashers or horse stunts or, that you know have not ever got to do a movie, you know, so. Well, yeah, you know, so. I am I know I'm probably going to date myself here, but I remember the days of famed stuntman Dar Robinson. And, yes, I uh, do too. And, you know, uh, even with all of his stunts, you know, he lost his life just riding around on set. On a motorcycle, yeah. On a motorcycle. Now, who were some of your hidden heroes in film uh, that you looked up to in the stunt stunt world? You know, actually, I I always looked up to Terry Leonard and some of these Jeff Amata and some of these older guys. But like you just said, Dar Robinson, their man, Dar Robinson was just like the the ultimate. You know, he was just like, wow, this guy's he's crazier than heck, but um, he made everything happen. And like you said, he you know he did them the, one of the biggest high falls ever and did some crazy stuff, but made it out. And then he got you know on a motorcycle, a little motorcycle crash. And uh, ended his life. So yeah, I remember seeing Dar at the uh, Houston Astrodome during a stunt show in which he jumped from the center of the top of the inside of the Astrodome down to the airbag, and it's a long way down. Oh, you, know, I know. you know, it was weird back then because he was really the only one that took the whole stunt aspect out into the public eye, kind of like what. Evil Knievel was doing, but Dar was doing it on the stunt side of things. For you, did you ever do a stunt that maybe you thought you shouldn't have done? I, I always think, I think the, um, you know, I haven't, there's stuntmen that's done a million times more than I have. You know, they're the big guys out there, but, and I got to work when I got to work and I'm proud of it, but I was working with, um, uh, I think it was 91, 92, we was doing a movie called, uh, Bionic Ever After in Charleston, South Carolina. That was where Lee married, well, Lee Majors was a six million dollar man and he married Lindsay Wagner. 
and um, uh, I was doing a stunt, and I had gotten stitches the day before, and then I was um, jumping from a four-wheeler to a UPS van at 30-something miles an hour, and then they was going around the corner and throwing me off on the pavement. And I remember I had stitches, and I wanted to keep the job because I knew they probably wouldn't let me do it if they knew I had the stitches because I had it in between my privates and my leg of all places, you know. So so I um, went ahead and did the stunt. But when I'd walk by people during the day, I kind of walked by and wait for them to walk by, and then I'd walk a little further. And, and you know, I did it, got on the four-wheeler, did the stunt, got thrown off on the pavement. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to give them a thumbs up that you're okay. And then they give the thumbs up. And, and, uh, I think that was the dumbest move I ever made. Cause I was so, I was hurting so bad. And who could you tell, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, you can, <laughs> you can tell people about your pains, but if they don't feel it. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Now, was... you know, for you, uh, you know, every aspect of film and, you know, and I guess it depends on the stunt, but, uh, and it also can, depends on a particular scene for an actor. I mean, I know from experience that the setup time takes a lot longer than actually filming what you're looking at. How long does it take to actually set up a particular stunt just to make sure that nobody gets hurt? You know, the good thing about it is you get some of these, like, I mean, Kenny Bates, all these other guys, Joe Ordaz, some of these guys that know what they're doing. Um, safety is the number one thing. And, you know, if you get on a set and there's no safety or walk away, because it ain't worth it if these people don't see that safety is number one. So I think the biggest thing is, is um, it depends on if it's an air rab, high falls, but they, they don't so much rehearse as they do, you know, with like a high fall that I've, I've witnessed just a while back is, is that they, they let it go down to where it's supposed to hit on the descending unit. And they, they, they know they're, these guys are pros now, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not even in their league anymore. I, I like what I'm doing now because I haven't broke a bone in a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, how yeah. did you go from stuntman to actor? I actually got a, a one liner back in, um, 82 or 83. And I told everybody I was in this movie. I got a, I'm acting the, and they cut it out. And so, I, but I, I started liking it. So I went to, um, I can't remember his name. I went to a acting school in on Roseanne Barr studio in 91. And I was doing a few parts before that, you know, good parts, but not like this. And I, um, he played Mr. Kincaid on the Partridge family Madden. Um, and anyway, so I went to his acting school and then I started really enjoying it right then. I started seeing a whole different, um, what I could pull off. And, and I, I really feel like this acting and, is uh, you know i love it I, I can pull it off i feel like it's um trying to be be myself but be somebody else at the same time is is really cool you know um if that well, what's your, your favorite question, I might have no that's all good now what what would uh what was your favorite acting role thus far um well i i um i liked them all i, I enjoyed them i think working with um um uh, F. Abraham Murray, or F. Murray Abraham, or however you say it. He won an Oscar for Amadeus. I did a, the prequel to Lonesome Dove, and I had dialogue across from him. And, and um, I just remember him just spitting and, you know, you got to shut down. And it was just like, that's an actor, you know. And I think, I mean, that was just a little part, and I've done big, huge parts, but I think that brought me out to a different level because um, working with a pro like that made you think, 
wow, you know, this ain't, it ain't that hard, but these guys are pros and they do it all the time. So you can't, you can't halfway do something, you know, you got to really pull it off. And if you feel like you can't do it, be honest and say, no, I can't, you know, I can't do it. You know, I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple in the long run. Nobody wants to do that. (laughs) Well, have you ever been around a method actor? Yeah, I've been around a few. um, And I like a little bit of method. I, you know, I think it depends the movie and the scenes, you know, what you pull off and what you do. Um, but yeah, I've seen some method actors. I, I got a movie coming up, uh, this weekend and I'm playing a, a, um, <laughs> me and my other half say I can win an Oscar, but I know I'm just kidding, but I'm playing a grouch and it's, um, I mean, I'm a grouch. It's kind of like Gran Torino with Clint, except I'm a lot more verbal and, um, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I don't want kids around me. Don't touch me, you know, and then, then at the end of it, I, you know, it's a, I better not tell the story, but anyway, it's a, it's a great <laughs> little script. And so I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, Well, I understand that you have some major ties to the music industry, especially country music. What's that all about? Well, back in um, 2009, um, my partner, David Von Rome and, and uh, Willie Nelson, all of us was at Willie's house and, we was recording some stuff. We'd always go over there and film. I, I do a lot of things. And Willie just, a, gosh, his one-liners mean a lot. If you really listen to He's got one-liners that mean more than most people's pages as far as influence and reality. Um, but um, we was sitting there and we was all saying, well, let's start a film company. And so we was going through these names, all of us. And then Willie behind the counter says, well, let's just, we was naming it this. And then we was naming it that. And uh, Willie said, well, just let's just name it Luck Films. Yeah, that's it. So we named it Luck Films, and and um, David and I are pretty much the only ones out of five of us that went and hit the road, really trying to get things going, you know. Um, and then we call get Willie every once in a while, but he Willie never wanted us, and we never did use his name to get money. But we had good projects, and we could always say Willie was a producing partner, but we never used his name. But it got kind of out of hand for a while to where. Um, I mean, I could get called in on a good part, you know, Hey, we want you carry, come up to, now you think you can get Willie. And it was never about me, you know, and it was never about David on most of the things. And, and, um, it got pretty to where, you know, I love Willie to death. I mean, I still to this day, he's one of the greatest guys ever. Our political views ain't in line, but we never even brought it up. You know, and he's just a good man. Um, but, um, that we've got a lot of film, a lot of videos we did. Um, and lots of things, David Von Rome, which was my, um, gosh, man, my, I talked to him three times a week for the last 13 years, passed away last year at this time, um, and just passed away suddenly and, um, same age as me. Exactly. He was a month older than me and, uh, um, that just kind of hit home and I just kind of, um, I don't know. I kind of wanted to rethink things through and do things differently, you know, um, if you do something good, if, if everybody does something good, they'll remember it for a while. If you do something bad, they remember it forever. <laughs> you know, that type of deal. And David's one of them guys that, to me, never really did nothing bad. He was always helping everybody. He ran a Charter Tech Film School in New Jersey. It was called Charter Tech Film School. And uh, he helped so many kids, and we took so many kids on the road, and did, oh, probably 20 videos and five or six movies. You know, using the kids and giving them credits and 
some of them have been nominated for awards now and stuff, you know, and, and anyway, losing a partner was a big deal. And, and now it's just, um, I don't even really, we, I push luck film still because I have 13 million hits on our luck films, YouTube, but that's actually, of course they see Willie's name and they're going to pull it up, but that's me and David push that. And that's why it's where it's at, you know, and, and, um, he was just a good partner that we, I well, had to throw know, that in there. Cause I, when you, when you lost your friend, David, I understand that it caused you to step back and do a lot of reflecting. Why? Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't want anything. I'm, I'm kind of done with it. I just wanted to fish, <laughs> um, but I missed it so bad. I have camera equipment and a lot of stuff I do things with, you know, and, and I miss it so much. I, um, there's a friend of mine that was in Texas. You remember Joe Estevez? Sounds familiar. So the way everybody knows Joe is he's Martin Sheen's brother. But well, Joe, see, the Estevez name kind of perked my interest in wondering if it was the Martins. Well, Joe's probably my, been my best friend for 30 years. Um, and um, we've done, I think, 10 or 11 movies together. I put him in everything I do. Well, he introduced me to a guy in Texas, in Lampasas, Texas, of all places, named Randall Oliver. And then Randall Oliver talking to me a little bit, and Joe saying, don't give up. And, and then Randall introduced me to the, Tanya Renee. Uh, top 10 talent as i think you know her yeah you know she said oh i know but, tanya yeah uh, yeah and and introduced me to her and she actually came and met me and um, made more sense than a lot of people you know and i you know i i don't i don't want to get out of the old ways but she's making me do a lot of new stuff and she's um um man she's a hustler and, and she's getting me out there and, and changed my mind so now i'm auditioning a lot i mean i auditioned a few times last week and and um and I'm directing some movies coming up, and and uh, I'm just gonna do what I want to do, though. I'm not gonna just go out of my way and and do something that fits everybody else, you know. So, well, what what caused you to lose a bit of that passion for the industry? Was it because of losing your friend Dave, David? Yeah, absolutely. But again, there's a a lot of people that um, you know, you I'm I'm very much uh, I talk to God more than I talk to anybody. I mean, I, I, I talked to him right before I got on this, you know, I mean, I, but I'm not the guy that tells everybody I talk to God all the time. And I think that doing, letting a few people know that I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm a Republican. I believe in, in America and, um, man, it holds you back a lot. And they, they, um, you are dogged in this business 80%, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to step up to that plate. I'm not giving in. That's a fact. I will not give in. But um, I want to do good stuff that, and it don't have to be a, a Christian movie, but it has to be a good family or good American movie that makes sense to people. I want them talking about it in a hundred years. I don't want them talking about it next week and drop it. You know that type of thing. So, well, why do why is Hollywood so standoffish? to actors that have conservative beliefs, those that uh, like to live by their faith, and even though they don't wear it on their, their sleeve, somehow Hollywood knows, but why do they just kind of push them off to the side or in a way not hire them? Well, I think you kind of know as good as I do this, this woke and all this I call crap. And I'll yeah, call go it woke, go broke, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, I would never, I can't imagine my granddad here right now. I'll tell you that, <laughs> you know, 
he would be, oh, man, I, he'd probably get shot. I mean, he wouldn't play the game. He just, them old guys meant something. But, um, you know, somebody said the other day, I like, I like Trump. I like DeSantis. And somebody told me the other day, that's because you're in a cult. I've, I've never seen a cult. <laughs> I really don't know. I've seen it on TV, you know, but I, okay, I guess I'm in a cult because I, I believe in America and I think there's a God, you know, so I'm in a cult. So um, I, I, that's the only thing I can explain. I'm, I have a very good friend that I argue, two of them, I argue every single day with them. But I'm still in a cult. And, and um, the only thing Republicans are doing in office is trying to ruin the world. And it's just like, they they won't open their eyes. They won't get all the, you know, get out here and see public and, you know, I'm, I'm getting off on this, but go down to the border and see the real border. Don't listen to it on TV. You know, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> we, we, well, they, yeah. they see it on TV. Well, I always kind of wonder, you know, uh, I know God always keeps his promises, but sometimes I'm wondering if he would just break the whole flood thing one time, he could just reflood the earth and just start over again. I, I think the same thing. I, another thing I was thinking, though, and the other day was kind of getting on me is I wonder if he gets mad at me for telling him where to go sometimes, you know, because, I, you know, I'm, you're supposed to pray for him and, and help him. And, but, boy, they make me mad. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, that does, it, does that whole atmosphere in Hollywood, uh, and I know for you it probably – uh, guides you into what uh, projects that uh, you want to do. Um, have you ever thought about breaking that rule? I'm trying. Uh, and, you know, it's like uh, John, you talked to him the other day, Snyder. What a yeah. class act. And he and yeah. he won't give in. You know, no. a lot of the John Voigt, uh, um, Woods, you know, um, I, I'm just, uh, them are the people I want to put around me. And, and it's hard to weed out I, you know, on a set now, you can spit and they're going to sue you. And they'll just throw stuff out there. Everybody just throws it out all the time, you know. And it, it makes no sense. And it just, it, you know, you know what I'm saying? It gets on your nerves. But so you want that crew. It's bad when I'm going to direct something. And I have to have a female and a male just on there so they know that I'm not hitting on something or spitting on something or slapping anything. You know, I, it's, I shouldn't have to have that watch over me. And, and that's what they've become in Hollywood, you know. Um, well, everybody you know, getting sued. I've been, I have interviewed a ton of film directors. And, and, and some of those uh, film directors have done faith-based films. What astonished me, though, is when I went back to not just watch the film for prior to the interview, but looking at the actors that are actually in those faith-based films. And I found out that there are a few that absolutely do not believe they're there acting, but they're not acting because they believe in the story. They're just acting. And their political beliefs are on the extreme liberal side. I find, I find that extremely odd, Carrie, because of the fact that if you took a, an actor who's conservative, believes in the Lord, uh, wants to do great projects, but if they want to go to an audition, an audition for a big part in, let's say, it's full-blown Hollywood through and through, they get ignored or shoved off to the side. But in Absolutely. faith-based films, it, I find it amazing that the people that they bring in, 
don't believe the exact same way. I mean, you do know, you have an I, answer I for agree. that? I, I don't have an answer for it, but I do know that like a, a few of my liberal friends I bring on because we don't talk politics ever because that's a big thing. And I see most all of them do believe in God. I mean, you know, they know that there's a God. I mean, they're always even I hear them all the time. I, I think uh, if I was going to say anything about it, I, I think that the biggest thing is if you could just get the whole crew together that, you know, where they stand on all their beliefs, then you wouldn't have no problems. And that's bad. You have to do that because, you know, we're supposed to be diverse and, and do everything correctly. But you can't do it if you're worried about getting sued, you know, or worried about losing something or starting a, a you know, I did a movie years ago. And this is a it's got to be in. I'm going to say in no three two somewhere around there. They we was filming downtown Austin. There was a picture of Bush, and we never talked political belief. Nobody ever said anything. And two or three of these people put the deal on the ground and started hitting the picture of Bush. Like they, yeah, you know, it was like, and I was just like, I was producing this, and I never said nothing, never speak up because I used to, you know, I'll tell you where to go pretty quick. I don't care. But it was like, where did they come from? And I was actually that time I was trying to figure out Bush ain't the greatest guy, Bush ain't the worst guy, but he was our president. You know, and he was doing good things. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I back that. Uh, but for them to do that in front of people on my, really just. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And, uh, but do you think that hiring liberal actors? <laughs> you got, you got. I, I can make an edit. Oh, I can make an edit point. No problem. You can reconnect if you want. Nope, oh, there you are. Nope. Oh. All right. Sorry about that. I don't know. Oh. I got a phone call and it died out, but I thought I <laughs> shut off all my phone calls. But uh, that that's all right. We can we can take care of that in post. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do know where I was at, though, is that um, I uh, politics don't belong on the set uh, or in a movie set. The, the biggest thing is that um, um, you're there to do a movie. And so doing these family and Christian movies, I'm I'm directing a big feature this year. And it is one of the biggest, best features. I have Oscar winning cameramen. I have Oscar winning. Um, I have a, my camera guy um, is just finished Avatar. You know, I mean, I got big people coming in and um different beliefs a few of them but you have to really weed it out but it's all it's going to be one of the biggest things ever and everybody kind of they're just looking at this picture nothing else will be brought up you know um and that's a good thing about it i'd like to see it work like that instead of like the picture i just told you about you know so well yeah because if if you catch a bunch of people on a movie set talking about politics it not only ruins the spirit of what's on the set, but it also can, well, drag on to multiple takes in front of the camera because that person could be riled up. Their thought process is still on what the yeah. conversation was behind the camera. And it starts to, well, not only waste time, but on, in film, that can waste a lot of money. Well, you know, in the old days when they did 35 millimeter, 
that was no nonsense. You couldn't do that because that, that costs a lot of money, you know, cutting and, you know, pasting stuff. Now, the digital world now makes it a little easier, but you're not there to redo everything. You want to get it as quick as you can and, and good scenes. And, and I believe that. But um, the, you know, Tanya Renee, as I mentioned a couple of times, is she's kind of, I, I do a lot of deals on my own and I have for a long time. But now if there's a deal to be done, she handles it. And if it's, if she has to run them off, she runs them off. And I, the good thing is, is there's a hundred percent trust there. I know where she stands and I don't have to worry about backlash, you know, I, and that's a good thing about it. So, um, yeah, it's more I'm like so, as we get, yeah. Cause it's like, as we get older, we want to put it with less crap. You know, I, I do. I, I look at Robert Duvall and some of these guys, which gosh, I love that man. He's just, you know, incredible in their nineties now. And, you know, Ernest Borgnine was a very good friend of mine. And um, he laughed. He always made you smile, always made you laugh. And when they said action, he did his job, you know. And um, that's it's hard to find that now. Uh, you know, you can't see it. That's why I, we're doing our own thing, and, and it'll happen. I mean, we're, we got such a great crew. I got a, a line producer in California that was a mentor at the Directors Guild. Me and him have been friends for a long – him and I have been friends for a long time. Um, but, um, so we have nothing but a great crew. So when we do start doing films, we're, um, it's going to be like John Snyder. I mean, look at this last film. He did all that on his own and pulled it off. And, and he is, um, I, I'm just so impressed with the way he's done it. You know, I was yeah, actually going to, um, go ahead. Go ahead, Kerry. I was actually going to use his son, Jason. A few years ago, I called Chase tonight. He'll have his number. I never called him since because we didn't do the movie, but. His son's a good actor too, Jason, and, and I uh, I really wanted to um, kind of use Jason in one of our movies coming up, you know, and not just because of the whole John deal, but because if he has John's beliefs, um, things will get done right when he shows up, you know. Yeah, well, let me ask you something, because I know that uh, you have done quite a few uh, music-related videos, and you even won a CMA award for directing the music video, Have You Ever Seen the Rain with Willie and Paula Nelson. Did... With you getting into music video production, did that help you learn uh, moving into film? Or did you do film even before music videos? No, I, I did film first, but I have this, I have such a weird mind. I have these dreams. I've won so many awards off my dreams that I wrote down. I mean, I'm, I, you know, really, but, you know, Paula Nelson, Willie's daughter and, and Willie's ex-wife, Connie Nelson, are our, some of our best friends. And... Um, I went on the road with Paula for a while and did, did a lot of shooting and um, just kind of helped out a lot. We did a movie, two movies together, Paula and I. And so when I hear a song now, um, I, I remember when she first played it, She it was 2 o'clock in the morning, she called us up on the phone and played that song, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? She is the first one to come out with it. You know, she didn't, her dad did it with her, but that was her idea. And when she came out with Have You Ever Seen the Rain, I was just like, wow. But I seen it right in my head, right then, the, the video. You know, and um, if I could, I, I know that everything, every video I've done has won awards or is people can see, you know, if I, um, if I hear a song and I picture it, if the artist would let me run with the video, we can make more award winning videos because I, I see that way ahead of time. I, I do have that vision that I'm proud of and I've always had it. I, I have a friend, uh, Kelly Kenning. He, uh, you remember Johnny Rodriguez? Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. North of the border and down by uh, the Rio right Grande. I love those songs. 
Yeah. Johnny lives down at Kelly's dad's house now in, in uh, Alice, well, Texas, you know. I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, and Kelly Kenny is one of the best songwriters. If you pull him up, it'll it'll blow your mind. He's doing he won a Christian album of the year, Christian song of the year, some other stuff. He's uh he's just a great songwriter. Half I'd say three quarters of the songs he writes, because me and him think so much alike. I see a video right off the bat, but getting the investors to put up the money, because Kelly don't sell out arenas, you know, is that's the hardest thing. But if I, I guarantee we could take some of his videos and make, uh, you know, and that was the CMA of Texas, you know, and we won three of them. Uh, I won best director, best producer, and something else. And then I won a uh, uh, best director off of a movie I, or best. I won three total CMAs. And I don't remember what all of them was for. But. Well, what the, right now, what is the big differences between uh, acquiring funding to do music videos uh, and possible? Well, you know, I don't know how you would compare it with a, an independent artist versus one that's on a record label, and then even trying to get funding for today's film projects. So, so what I do know about the videos is. You're not going to make your money back usually. You know, it's a video that you're putting out for them. I, I do. I mean, we do on certain things. We get a, a piece of YouTube or whatever, but it don't. It ain't like paying my mortgage. You know, it's more like buy, buying a candy bar type stuff. Um, I think that if um, uh, the investors do that, that's to do their name and put out good videos. And there should be a lot of people that they're wasting money on everything else, you know. So why not have your name on a really good song, you know, or something? Um, doing the movies. Is it's tough right now with our world. Um, the investors are scared to step up. They're scared to do a whole lot. And if you don't have a good, great track record, which um, we ain't made millions of dollars on our stuff, but we made money. I, I don't think we've ever lost anything. Um, but um, I think banks and everything scared everybody right now. I mean, we had. What well, do you think it has to do things. with? The, well, uh, sorry, Kerry, but do you think it has to do with the fact that? You know, here we are, we had uh, the pandemic. Nobody could go to the movie theaters. Um, a lot of people kind of held back on projects, and then those that did come out had to go straight to streaming. Uh, yeah. Even though the theater has not completely recovered, but, you know, many people are praising Tom Cruise uh, for bringing people back to the theaters. Jesus Revolution movie is getting praised for getting people back into the movie theaters. Uh, does yeah. funding have, uh, trying to get funding, do these investors look at, are you going to take it to the theater or is it going straight to streaming? Uh, and like you said, I know the track record has everything to do with it too. We, we have a, with my friend Randy out of uh, uh, Malibu, the line producer I was telling you about, we have it set up now. If we do the low budget movies, like say under three hundred thousand, we are pretty much guaranteed to make our money back plus a hundred grand. Um, and then, then they air it so many times, then you get it back, and then you can do foreign and different distributions. The bigger movies, yeah, you the theater ain't where you're gonna make your killing unless it's just a blockbuster hit. So you have to have the platforms underneath that set up. I I have a friend right now that has four movies in the can right now. Um, and he, he's had them there five years, uh, you know, in the can. Great movies. Hot Bath, Stiff Drink. Uh, Jeffrey Patterson, it's Once Upon a Dreams, if you want to look it up. Um, and they're great movies. Now he's got he, he's got a little bit of money. Well, he lives on a dang yacht in Fort Lauderdale, so he can do some things. But anyway, um, 
he has it to where he, the distribution platform he's working on is going to make it good for all of us. So now we have we have it to where we're not going to lose on our shows unless the show is just directed bad, acted bad, and it just nobody wants to look at it at all. And and we don't do that. So um, we have, I mean, you know, it's I, you can't say I guarantee. You just can't do that in this business. But um, I'm 99%, you know, that everybody makes their money well, back. Know, the thing about it, the videos, yeah. The, the thing about the videos and stuff real quick is if I'm directing and I got a crew of five or six people, we want to get paid while we're doing it. You know, um, that's a week out of our or two weeks or whatever, and we want to get paid then, and and the and we want to get paid on our movies too, but a lot of people want to go on the back end to where if it once we pay the investor back and we give him his whatever percentage, and everybody had a little bit and say it blows up, you know, like Resurrection, Mel Gibson's Resurrection. I I have a little in on that right now. If I if I was rich, I'd jump on it because Resurrection will. It's, no matter what, it's going to make somebody something. Well, yeah, because I think uh, Passion of the Christ brought in well over $600 million. And in today's time, the resurrection that uh, I believe he's about to start working on, I would project it to at least hit a billion dollars. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, that's... Um, um, Mel Gibson, I mean, this guy's, you know, he he didn't give in, did he? <laughs> but, you know, look at him. He he don't put up. I know he's doing a movie in New Mexico now, and then he's going to do that supposedly in Rome, and then he's going to come back, and I think he's going to direct Lethal Weapon. Again? Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm told by a very good source that hangs with him. But, um, you know, it's a, he don't, the guy don't lose. I mean, resurrection is what people need and want to see right now. And, boy, yeah, they I just do. give anything to... Yeah. Hey, everybody. If, yeah, if had, every, yeah, go ahead. If I had a million dollars just to my name, I would give all of it for this because I know it's going to do good, you know, so. Yeah, and I know people have been waiting for years and years for the sequel, and we we know there's only one sequel yeah. <laughs> to Christ, yeah. unless they want to yeah. film the, the second coming, but uh, people want to see the resurrection because he made the Passion of the Christ I mean, absolutely real in a brutal sense. I mean, people need to realize that's what it looks like when your sins are forgiven. I, you know, I, I, uh, I remember me and this church, I was going to a cowboy church out of Comanche, Texas. All of us went to the theater and I never seen such a good film in my life. It was just like, wow. And, and not just a good film. It, it was the idea that, it's real, isn't this really? Well, it really the detail. Happened. Yeah, it was the detail. Oh, I mean, you yeah. know, I remember an interview that he did where they literally just talked about the fact that when, when they hung Christ on the cross, but he said the filming to to let people realize that what really happens is when the cross is dropped into that hole, and then the jolt yeah. that that hits, yeah. and oh, that man. jolt that goes yeah. through the human body and i mean he made it as real i mean literally it was real and so i know that everybody's waiting for the resurrection but i want to ask you a question carrie because you know every aspect of the film industry and you take people like netflix they're well over 600 million dollars in debt the viewing public i call it we're the beast 
and the beast has to be continually fed. We get bored really easy. Streaming is continuing to grow, but people like Hulu, Netflix, Paramount, the list goes on. They have to keep creating content because people, they'll watch something and move on to something else. So yeah. where in the world is all of that money coming from? And how do, I mean, is it the uh, subscription rates that not only paying for that, but how in the world are they making money from that? Because the debt load's huge. A lot of them films, like I watch Amazon a lot, and a lot of them films are two ninety nine a piece. I have I have four or five on there or, that I you star in, and the one on my produce, but um, two ninety nine a piece, and it was a low budget. I think it was done for fifteen thousand dollars. So it's quadrupled its money, you know. But you get a bigger one. I don't know how their platforms are making money. I I'm so confused about it now. Except I do know that. I have a, I have a deal where we can work with Lifetime. I have uh, some setups with GAC, Hallmark. It just depends on who you want to work with. And you really, if you do the movie for a certain budget, below a certain budget, you're going to make your money back. Um, like I was telling you earlier, them two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollar movies, we can pull them off to where you think they're two or three million dollars. I know that. But um, getting somebody to put that money up for that movie is the hardest thing now because they see that six hundred million in debt and stuff like that and you know it's hard how, how do you convince somebody to you know to put money in when everything's been losing money you know well so, you know i saw that's why an we got interview. a good platform yeah and I, I mean i saw an interview with actor uh, matt damon and he was explaining how what the movie industry used to do you know he said you get a movie into the theater and you know you have this massive budget and he said he goes i went in with a movie and said, I only need 25 million, only 25. But the studio said, well, you think you only need 25, but it's going to cost you 100 yeah. because you need this, this, or this. DNA. He said, he goes, but back in the day, when that, th when that film hit the theater, and even though if you were lucky to break even, you could always rely on the DVD sales, but he says DVD is gone. He yeah. goes, now it goes to streaming, but the kind of money that you look at after the fact is no longer there. You know, I, I um, on some things I disagree and I agree, and, and boy, did he have the golden spoon. But anyway, um, John Snyder, for instance, we were talking about that earlier. Look at that movie he just finished. I mean, and he's he's got people in there milling them out every day, DVDs. Uh, so I, I believe DVDs going to stick around no matter what because if everything else fails, we still got our DVDs in the boxes, you know. And I, I, I really believe in DVDs. Another thing is where you said a while ago that um, when it went to theater, yeah, if it wasn't a blockbuster, it didn't make millions and millions of dollars. It might have broke even. But by the time you do the P&A and everything else, you really lost money. So you had to do foreign and, and domestic and all the, the DVD sales at Walmart and, you know, wherever to make the sales. And that was the important thing. And, and it's hard now. But um, I think people that's been with it, that have lived on the lower side that like we have, I, I, I'm not saying under anybody, but, um, that we've, um, I made, I made blood packs out of Trojan rubbers and rocket igniters, you know, on eight millimeter before. So, you know, I mean, and corn syrup and food coloring. So, um, you know, the people that do things like that, but now have honed it in, they, I think that's where the money's going to be made on the, you know, 
for our section of people. <laughs> so, well, what what projects are you currently working on now? Well, I'm doing one called Anger this weekend. I'm working for some people and and I'm just acting. But I have um, two that I'm uh, um, directing, and uh, the, the, this one I'm directing is a about a river, about the government coming in, making people move off the the river, you know, took over and, and ain't helped it much as far as I'm concerned, but it's a, actually a love story too. And it's a, it's a great story. I brought Tanya in and we all hashed it out. And actually I was talking with Jim Caviezel or we were trying to talk with him to bring him aboard. And, and I'm not saying that won't happen, but um, I'm hoping it does because if anybody could pull it off, he could. And it's mainly about a man and a wife that went through the ups and downs, ups and downs and, and made it, you know, and I mean, he drank, he, he played, poker he uh did a little bit of everything but he was a man's man and, and you know people i go talk to people that know him and his handshake meant everything and and that movie's going to be my that's going to be my big one and th- i mean i can't do that for you know under a couple million um and then i got some a christmas movie and some other stuff i'm doing for 250 300 you know and and then i got called i actually got called on a music video and i'm kind of uh gonna wait and see what they throw up you know i'm like like the videos that kind of helped out with Kinky Friedman, that there was no money there, you know. And that's one thing David and I, I love putting us out there and doing things. But you know, it's like musicians now. They, they a lot of these new musicians will go play for nothing, but the other musicians that make a living off of it can't make no money because these went and played for nothing, you know. And uh, you, you can't you can't do nothing for nothing. You you got to make money and pay your bills. So. Yeah, that, well, that went around, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, I I've interviewed so many recording artists, and even just recently, I I was watching a film documentary of singer John Waite and was stunned that in the first six albums that he did with the Babies, he only made six thousand dollars in six years. Yeah, because because the record wow. the record label just kept making them pump out albums to cover the cost of the last album. And uh, just basically just pimped them out on tour, and uh, but nobody was making any money. So I think it was Lee Majors or someone told me it might not be Lee. I can't remember who told me this, but they said once the distribution gets it in their hands, then all their traveling and everything else. And he says, and you know they're going to use two ply toilet paper. <laughs> they're not going to go with the cheap stuff. So and so uh, yeah, I remember. I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, but um, uh, I um. I, I actually think that um, this, everything that's happening in the world, I think it has brought so many, you may not see it, but I think it's brought so many people together to do good things that I think it's going to change big time. And I really believe that I may not be around, you know, um, I hope I am, but <laughs> um, but I, I really believe that um, good things are going to happen. Good movies are going to start coming out. So, so you think we're going to see more... Uh high quality faith-based films i think jesus revolution kind of set the bar i think it set a big bar um i i think so and i think good family films you know you, they always say and i think tanya might even said this one time i always say tanya renee you know top 10 talent if anybody wants to know um anyway that the um bar you see a lot of these christian movies that aren't shot real well and ain't haven't doesn't have the acting that it should have and the reason for that is is most of the time they don't have the budget to do them kind of movies because you know i don't think all the christians are stepping up and getting behind that stuff if, if they stepped up like they did in hollywood to do 
Transformers, we would have blockbuster Christian films. You know, the other thing is, is that half the Christian films, they, they say, well, there's no cussing and this and that. You can't do this and that. Well, I don't want to use, ever use GD in anything, but a lot of these Christian films, um, I don't know anybody that hasn't cussed. I never met anybody that hasn't cussed once or twice that hadn't drank coffee, hadn't drank a beer or done whatever, you know. And so that is life. And that's why we're here. That's why he forgave us for our sins, you know. So I, um, anyway, that's mine in a nutshell. Well, you, <laughs> so. you can't, you, you can't film a sinner not sinning. Exactly. I mean, you've got to make the film real. Now, they don't have to, yep. you know, you don't have to put in GD. You don't have to put in the F word to get the point across. And you don't need to do it for shock value. But to bring true, real-life situations to film so people can understand that Jesus died for our sins for a reason and that yeah. people can be redeemed regardless if they're so far left or whatever. And, uh, and sometimes I kind of wonder, you know, with some of these faith-based films that I've seen that have liberal actors, do you think that in the right circumstance that the story alone could minister to the actor themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, like you said, the liberal actors is sometimes you don't know because they're scared to say it, you know, but they, um, I, I think that the story is the um, number one. Um, if you don't have a good story, you're not going to get good actors. I mean, that's all there is to it. I, how would I say this? I think that um, the good stories that are filmed are making headways because they're getting good actors, they're getting good crew. Um, and, and, you know, I hate we have to say that, put liberal in that category, but it's kind of coming from that side. Um, I know a lot of Christian liberals, you know, and um, uh, but they, um, you're, like I was saying earlier, we're scared to hire them. We're scared to put them in a, uh, you know, because, you know, for instance, I, and I'll, I'll quit this, but I know Bill Cosby and Weinstein and all these guys did bad things. I know that. And I wouldn't, I didn't like... I almost slapped him once. I mean, I, that's how close. I mean that with all my heart. And uh, how do people, let's say an investor is watching right now. How do people connect with you if they want to work with you as a filmmaker or as an actor in one of your projects? Call, call Tanya Renee, the top 10 talent, and you have that info. Um, the other thing is, is I we're not going to take just anybody. I, I just can't. And, and the good thing about it is, if they put up the money, it's handled through attorneys, not us anymore. I, I don't want to even touch a dollar. I want to get my check and cash it, um, you know. Um, and uh, my guy in, in Malibu is uh, that guy that takes care of business and goes through all the right sort of payroll companies and does everything correct. You know, you have insurance. You have everything that takes care of business. We've done a lot that didn't have insurance and we didn't take care of business, right, you know. But um, that full circle's coming. We do that. Um, I got to say one more thing. I, I know we probably got to go, but one more thing is Daryl Strawberry. How lucky are you? I, this guy's like my, I told you, he's, he, this guy's awesome. You know, just the things he's went through to get where he's at. And I, I, um, and I always say his birthday is the same day as mine. He's a year older. You know, I know you can't tell he looks younger, but man, what a man. I mean, that was a good, he's a good man. Well, you know, it's it's funny because uh, there are people that uh, I've gone after uh, to interview, and sometimes uh, the timing is completely off. And I actually went after Daryl probably a couple of years ago, 
uh, could never get contact, could never get into contact with the right person. And then out of the clear blue, there he is. So uh, we'll be setting that up uh, pretty soon. Uh, and it's weird, Carrie, because, you know, for me, some of the hardest guests to get are actually sports stars. They, to me, they are some of the toughest to actually uh, get on the air. Probably most of them are still playing. And uh, those that retire, well, they want to they want to stay out of the limelight. So, uh, but yeah, well, Daryl Sawyer is awesome. Well, I have a, one of my partners is a, a Hall of Fame boxing champion. Um, he's um, Thel Thel Torrance is his name. He's eighty four years old, and we're trying to get him on the uh, in the boxing Hall of Fame up there in, in Arkansas because that's where he's from. And you know what, this man, if you looked him up and just saw. I can't believe nobody, you probably hadn't heard his name before. This guy is like, everybody knows him. I mean, I've been at his office, seen Mike Tyson walk in, seen Don King, you know what I mean? This guy is amazing. And, and if anybody could remind me of him, it would be Daryl Strawberry. Because they, they don't see, they they probably see all the bad, but they it's never brought up and it's always happy to sit across from them. So you might have a great interview with that, man. Oh, nice. I'm 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 looking forward to it. And Carrie, it has been an absolute honor and a pleasure to uh, talk with you today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. I I told um, Tanya when they, she talked to me about it. I think that you listen, and uh, I've done a lot that don't really listen, and, and that's you know that's what it's about. You got to listen. And, and well, listening. Well, for me, uh, listening is extremely important. But I like to learn. And uh, yeah. we can't stop learning, especially in this industry. I love television. I love film. I interview so many people from the music industry. Uh, it's the create. It's the uh, creativity that I like to see that uh, just comes out of people and hear what they have to say, what they're going to do. Uh, and at the same time, you know, a lot of people kind of get mad at the entertainment industry, but. If it wasn't for the entertainment industry, we wouldn't be watching movies, watching television, or listening to our favorite uh, bands and recording acts through our uh, earbuds. So uh, we got to thank them for all that they do and for being creative. And people like you who are being creative and bringing us great films and music videos as well. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Wallum, actor, stuntman, producer, director, Again, a man who is as tough as they come. So keep your eyeballs out, ladies and gentlemen, because there's brand new films, brand new projects coming from this man. And hey, he's a man of faith as well. He chooses wisely. So if you ever remember that scene in Indiana Jones where the the old uh, warrior says, choose wisely, Kerry Wallum chooses wisely. So stay tuned. I'll be right back with a little bit more. <laughs> 